Welcome everyone to our weekly shiur on the Zerah Shimshon. We are a week away, less than a week, sorry, a few days away from Rosh Hashanah. <coughs> These parashot <coughs> are the last parashot of the Torah that we're going to have our shiur in. Tonight's parasha is going to be parashat Vayelech. We're going to be doing Derush Aleph, the first Derush of the Zerah Shimshon. But before we do, the shiur is dedicated for the refuah shelema of kol chole am Israel uvichlalam ahuva bat tova and Ariel David ben Farahnaz. And anybody else that needs a refuah shelema have their names in mind. May Hashem give all chole am Israel ervat nefesh urfat haguf. Amen. Also, those that need to be married, may Hashem send them their zivug in the zechut of the Zerah Shimshon. And those that want children and need children, may Hashem give them Zerah Kayama Bekarov Amen Keniratzon. So these parashiot, sorry, these chairs are stuck to the ground. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Shehakol Nihyabid Varo. Amen. Who spiked my tea? Thank you. I'm kidding. <laughs> whiskey, key tea. Whiskey tea. These parashiot were written all in one day. The last parashiot of the Torah were all written in one day. The last day of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. So, a lot of it is last will and testament, if you would call it. You would call it. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to his children, his, his students, his nation, for the last time. And in that talk, he says something that we are way too familiar with. So let's get right into it. Midrash Peli'ah, there is a Midrash, a baffling Midrash, which is in, um, in Vayelech. It says, Ben shana anuchi hayom. Today, Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Bnei Israel and he says, Today I am 120 years old. That's what he says. I am 120 years old today. So the Midrash says, what is Moshe Rabbeinu telling Bnei Israel? He's telling them, on this day I was born, and on this day he was going to die. How do we know? This is why it is written, there will never be another prophet to Israel like Moses. There will never be another prophet like Moses for Bnei Israel. And this is the end of the quote of the Midrash. There's an obvious question that hit me right away. What do the two have to do with each other? Right? Moshe Rabbeinu is saying that today he's 120 years old, and then it says, that's why it says, that's why it says there was no other Navi like Moshe Bnei Israel. What does that have to do with each other? Which is something that the Zerah Shimshon is going to discuss. Oops. And, okay, so now. And he brings, he says, Sefer Emek Peracha Katev Bezeh Perush There's a Sefer called Emek Peracha that has a beautiful Perush on this. And he doesn't bring the Perush. He says, but I have another way of looking at it. Deita Bezoar Parashat Baalotcha. Gabi. It is brought down in the Zohar. In Parashat Baalotcha, what did I tell you? It's going to be Kabbalistic tonight. It's, woo! We're going to be talking about the Zohar and everything. I called it. What you know about that? Because I'm always right. The Zohar says in Parashat Baalotcha, 
דכמה פעמים משה רבנו עליו השלום מסר עצמו למיטה על ישראל. This is so true. How many times did Moshe Rabbeinu risk his life for B'nai Israel? How many times did you sit in the Torah? How many times did he turn to, turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and said, if you punish the Jews, you might as well just get rid of me. And he was serious. How many times did he do that? How many times is that? He's like, it's not worth it. You know, forget it. <laughs> forget it. It's not, <coughs> it's not worth it. I, if, if they don't belong, I don't belong. And he was being serious. Take your seat. Don't worry. Come on in. Many times. However, it says, However, his words were not accepted by God. Meaning, he asked God literally to kill him. But God never accepted it. Right? He never accepted it. Except, One time, however, Moshe Rabbeinu asked for death in anger. You guys remember when that was? Brandon, you remember when that was? When Moshe Rabbeinu asked God to kill him through a, a, a time of passion and anger. It was in Perot. And that time, and that time it bore fruit. I'll tell you. And that time it bore fruit, meaning maybe it was accepted. Where was it? In the parsha of the Mitonanim. You remember when the Jews were complaining to Moshe Rabbeinu in Bamidbar, right? Telling Moshe Rabbeinu, oh, why did I, why'd you bring us here? You're going to kill us in the Midbar. You did it. They were complaining to him, mit onenim. And Moshe Rabbeinu became angry, so to speak, and he turns to God and he says, you know what? That's, I'm done. You know, he asked Hashem to take him. He was, he was over it already. Couldn't take it anymore. <coughs> and right away, says, Sha'amar, he said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hargenina. Moshe said that he wants to be killed now. Right after that, you see the Pesukim that says, the 70 elders were gathered by Moshe and the elders, 70 elders. And after, right after that, That was the time that Eldad Umedad, which were two young people that became, all of a sudden they had a nevuah, they had a prophecy. And they prophesied right there within the 70 elders. Nobody else had a prophecy. They prophesied that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to die in the wilderness. That was the first time anybody realized that this is going to happen. Right? So now he says, because Moshe Rabbeinu right away when he got angry, he asked Hashem to take him. And right afterwards the Zikanim were, were gathered, the elders were gathered. And these two prophets came and prophesied that Moses is going to die in the wilderness. It was probably due to the fact that Moshe asked for death. When he was angry, and this time it was accepted. <coughs> Atkan. And this. No, he was angry because Bene Israel kept complaining. And they were saying, Oh, you brought us out of Egypt to kill us in the Midbar. Weren't there? Same. We did the same thing we did over and over. But this time he just had enough. He had enough. It's like, I, I can't. That's it. Chagad. You know, it's like, how much can a person take? I don't even know how much. No one knows how much Rabbeinu took until then. You know, and he was always sacrificing for, for us. <coughs> so the Zohar says, because of this episode, 
that occurred in this sequence, you might think, says, says, because of the sequence of the events that took place on that day, we could think, we would have thought to ourselves that what? Heaven forbid, that Moses really died because he cursed himself. We would have thought that, you know why Moshe died in the wilderness? Because he cursed himself. You can see the sequence. He got angry. He asked for death. Right after that, the, 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 the elders gathered. And Eldadu Medad had a prophecy that Moses is going to die in the wilderness. Put two and two together. So it was accepted by God. His curse to himself was accepted by God. That Moses died because he cursed himself and he gave himself over to death. And this would be extremely a, a, a huge dishonor to Moses. Imagine saying that, you know why Moshe Rabbeinu died? Because he cursed himself. That would be dishonorable to him. He says, therefore, he says, our Midrash that we quoted in the beginning of the class, the Midrash that says Moses brings up to the Bnei Israel that on this day he is 120 years old. He was, on that, he was born on that day and he was going to die on the same day. Right? That is coming to tell us, don't think that way. Don't think that Moses died because he cursed himself. It had nothing to do with it whatsoever. You might make a mistake and think that's why he died when he died, but it's not. And Moses attested to it himself in front of Ben Israel. He said, Ben shana ayom. Today I am 120 years old. On this day I was born, and on this day was the day that he was going to give his neshama back to Hashem. He was telling Ben Israel, this is the day that completes my cycle from the time I was born. It was set forth from the moment he was born exactly when he's going to die. And we know the famous saying of the Chachamim that the Tzadikim Meleim Shnotam they fill their years. Their cycle of life is filled. There's nothing lacking. And how do we know that a Tzadik's life cycle <clears throat> like Moshe Rabbeinu is filled when the person dies on their own birthday it's a sign from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that says you have completed your cycle you have no missing days you were born on this day and you died on this day when a person dies on their own birthday it's a huge sign that they were very very righteous it means they left the same way they came as righteous as they were when they were born the same way they, as clean and righteous they left this world. So Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Bnei Israel, on this day, I turned 120. What day was it? It was the day he was about to die. And he was telling Bnei Israel that <clears throat> nothing is lacking in the days of his life. Nothing. Yes, Brandon. Um, so there was one time it was after the, the, the Golden Cat, Moshe said, remove me from your Torah and then Next parsha, there's no mention of Moshe. So I'm wondering why God didn't like accept this curse. Uh, so that that was okay. So your question is, people have been asking me to repeat the questions that people ask me on video because you can't hear. So here's what Brandonovich asked. 
that, you know, there's a parashah that Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned at all. And Chachamim tell us the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in that parashah is because that's right after Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem to kill him. Again, <clears throat> sorry, I, can you add some hot water to this for me, somebody? Sorry, I keep having to cough. You're hot. So, why did Hashem not mention his name in that parasha at all? That was God's way saying, okay, let's, let me backtrack for y'all to see what we're trying to do over here, what we're talking about. Uh, Willis. Those that get it, get it. You know. I just had to say what we're talking about, Willis. I just had to say that. It has to go. Again, you know what I'm talking about, right? You <laughs> what you talking about? Yeah. Old school. <clears throat> there is a saying that goes like this: Tzadik gozerva Kadosh Baruchu mekayem. When a righteous person says something, Hakadosh Baruch Hu makes it happen. It's an inevitable, inev inevitable. When a righteous person says something, sometimes it's dangerous because they are so important in God's eyes. Sometimes, even if it's detrimental, it'll happen. We've seen it, unfortunately, and we've seen it in a good way as well. Yaakov Avinu, when he was running away from his father-in-law, and his father-in-law chased him and said, you stole this and you stole that from me, he had no idea that his wife, Rachel, had actually taken those things from her father, for good reason too, we're not going to get into it. But Yaakov Avinu had no idea, and he said, whoever has taken it shall die. And the next story we know in the Torah is Rachel Imenu passing away in the middle of the road. That was because Tzadik Gozer, when a Tzadik says something, they have to be very, very careful. Right? So Moshe Rabbeinu, when he asked God to take him for death, right? In a sense, he'd said it. Right? So what does Hashem do? How did Moshe Rabbeinu say it at that time? He said, if you're going to destroy Bnei Israel." then take my name out of your Torah. I don't want to have any part of it anymore. If you're going to kill them, might have I might have, ne has, have never been created. I don't want my name mentioned in your Torah. Next parsha has no mention of Moshe Rabbeinu's name. It was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's way of saying, you said it. So I kind of have to somehow make it happen. So here's one parsha without your name in it. Right? So that will say, I accepted your word, but really, I didn't accept your word fully. I'm just going to have one parsha without your name in it. Right? That's what that was. So Hashem really did listen to Moshe Rabbeinu in his own way. He was kind of like, you know, it's like saying, <coughs> they bring a mashal, a, a, a king that tells his son, you know, you steal one more time. You're the prince, you can't be stealing. You steal one more time. I'm going to throw an entire, I'm going to throw a boulder on you. That's it. And that'll be, that'll, that's, I'm done. I'm done with you. Huge boulder. And the son steals again. And the father goes, what am I going to do? I'm going to throw a boulder at a kid? Like, so what does he do? He says, but I'm a king. I said it. I have to do what I said. People are going to be like, oh, look at the king. Hey, he keeps saying and he doesn't do. He takes the boulder. He asks his people to chop it down into little tiny pebbles. Right? And he starts throwing those pebbles at his son. He says, I said I'll throw the boulder at you. I didn't say how. My word is my word. This was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's way of saying, okay, Moshe Rabbeinu, your word is word. You said erase my name from your Torah. Okay, one parsha, no mention of Moshe Rabbeinu's name. But believe me, in that parsha, secretly there's a lot of mentions of Moshe's name in that parsha as well. <coughs> Good? Yeah, but I'm 
I'm asking why they didn't accept it the second time that he asked. After the, the Jews were complaining, they asked again. Why didn't Hashem accept it during that time? Why didn't Hashem accept it? I don't know. Hashem did not want Moshe Rabbeinu to die. He was needed. <coughs> so, so Moshe Rabbeinu says that he, th this was completion of his life. It was completion of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. He was born on that day and he was dying on that day. And that's what Sadiqim are. Sadiqim die on their birthday. Baruch Hu mashlim shenotem Baruch Hu completes their years. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying the reason for his death is not, God forbid, because of his anger. And what's the proof to that? Moshe Rabbeinu was proving his, himself. Saying, you know why I know that I'm not being punished? You know why I know that it's not, I'm not, my, my life is not being cut short because I am, I, I, that he was leaving on the same day he was born. Because if you say that his life had been shortened and he was dying before his time, why would God complete his days and make him die on his birthday? Have him die on another day. Right? If he's being punished, he should die in the middle of, uh, you know, uh, month of Av. Moshe Rabbeinu was born on the 7th of Adar. And he died on the 7th of Adar. Why should he die on 7th of Adar? If he's being punished, he should die on some other day so people will know that this, he did not die on time. At his time. Mikol shekel hayamim. El shemet bishvil So now we know that Moshe Rabbeinu only died because his life had come to an end. That was his time. He, that was the time he needed to go. And it's not because of a curse. <coughs> so now, that's why we said the second part of the Midrash says, There was never another Navi like Moses to Israel. And we said, what does that have to do with Moshe Rabbeinu saying that he's dying on his birthday? Him dying on his birthday and the fact that there's no other Navi like Moshe Rabbeinu in Israel have nothing to do with each other. Why is it even mentioned together? So he says, why? Because it would be difficult to understand. What is, what is this pasuk coming to teach us? What difference does it make to us? Why does the Torah have to tell us that there was never a prophet like Moses? Because anyway, even if the Torah had never told us that there was never a prophet like Moses, wouldn't we have known? Like, let's say, we knew the entire story of Moshe Rabbeinu in the Torah. And the Torah never ever said that there was never a prophet like Moshe. Wouldn't we have known that there was never a prophet like Moshe? Yeah. Was there anybody else like that ever spoke to God face to face? We know all this stuff. There's Pesukim that says, you know, uh, God spoke to Miriam, Moshe Rabbeinu's older sister, and said, I don't speak to you guys like I speak to Moshe Rabbeinu. I speak to him face to face. Like we would have known Moshe Rabbeinu was definitely up on the food chain right he was up there so why does the Torah have to tell us there was never a Navi that was ever like Moshe we would have known it and if you want to say that the Pasuk is coming just to tell us how great Moshe Rabbeinu was we didn't need that either because we already know 
Because who else went to heaven and brought down the tablets? Nobody did. We would have known that there was only one person that gave us the Torah from Shamaim, and that was Moses. I don't need you to tell me there was no one like him. Ve'ot, furthermore. Oh, I said that already. Okay. Ve'ot, <laughs> I, I kind of like skip ahead. You know, I, by the way, if you guys don't know already, I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ve'ot. <laughs> we have to, Rosh Hashanah is coming. We all have to accept who we are. And tonight, I've accepted publicly that I'm not a genius. Humble, very humble. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I feel relieved. <laughs> All this time, I've been walking around making people think. That. That's what you think. Drink to that. No. L'hayim. You're a genius. <clears throat> All right. Ve'od. <clears throat> Furthermore. And it says, furthermore, it should have even said in, in, a, in a future tense, meaning it should have said, Velo yakim od ke Moshe. Ne there will never be like Moshe ever in the future. But it says, Velo come, and never, there, there, there never rose like Moshe Rabbeinu. Anyway, to make a story short, Yesh lomar shakatu balashmeinu, the Pasuk is coming to teach us. Shekol hazzechut agador sheholo le Moshe. Listen to this. This is a, this is a crazy concept. Coming to teach you that all of the zikhut, all of the merit that Moshe Rabbeinu had, was only because of Am Israel. You know why Moshe Rabbeinu became so great? It was because of the nation that he was leading. Y'all listen to this. Just listen. A leader is as great as the people that he is leading. That's a huge concept. Let me explain it to you. Because I know you might not understand, I will listen. Something happened for me this past week that opened my eyes. Mm -hmm. I, I was looking for a lost package that was misplaced by our wonderful male people. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So on the search of this package, I actually found it a block over in someone else's home. It happens. It's a mistake. <laughs> it's not like USPS is supposed to know all the addresses. So I find the package and... The, what? I literally went two blocks down to find my package, yes. Yeah, it had happened before. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> so I go over there and I see that the lady that lived there nicely, she had circled the address on the package and she had written that this is not the right address, right? Waiting and hoping and praying that the male person that comes next time will notice, oh, okay, let me take it to the right address and not take it back to the USPS and throw it over there and it'll get lost like everything else does. So I see the package, I'm like, I picked it up, I'm about to walk out. And then I thought to myself, she might freak out, maybe she'll think that it was stolen. So I knocked on it, she's an older lady. <clears throat> I knocked on the door. She comes finally to the door and I go, I just wanted to thank you. She goes, oh my gosh, thank you for thanking me. It's nice of you to say thank you for me leaving your package. You know, I'm like, yeah, it's, like, you know, it's nice of you, thank you so much. I just wanted to say, it's mine, I found it, peace. Right? <clears throat> but then... 
But then I go, you know, the, actually the, the, um, the supervisor of the USPS was by my house that day. Other things had happened that day. And it was no surprise for him that I told him that the package, he goes, oh man. And he's like, I'll have to tag her and see where she is and where, where she dr dropped it off, right? Because, uh, <laughs> so anyway. So I tell her, I'm like, evidently this is happening often because the supervisor was by my house and he was not really surprised that this was taking place. So he wasn't too happy. And then she goes, this, this is where I'm trying to get to. She goes, who's happy these days? Who's okay these days? I'm standing and my kids behind me. Yeah, she said it. I said, yeah, you're right. She goes, nobody. And then, oh, this is what I believe. Hashem puts me in places for a reason. Right? He knows what comedy I enjoy. <laughs> so she goes, I'm a hippie. I was a hippie. I grew up as a hippie. Right? She goes, I'm the generation that sat on the lawn where President Kennedy spoke to everyone. I don't even remember seeing a security guard. We were just chilling there because everybody was probably high and they couldn't reach him even if they wanted to. But, it's like we were all just sitting there and the president was speaking to us. We didn't know security guards. We didn't know security going into markets with security, going into this with this. There was no such thing. We had peace. We had love. And we had other things that made those things much, much, much better. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to argue with anybody. Like I'm trying to like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, maybe she has the point, you know. I walked away and I thought to myself, she's wrong. She's absolutely wrong. The reason we have the problems we have today is because those hippies grew up and became leaders. This is the reason we have lawlessness. Let everybody be whoever they want to be. Let everybody just be, uh, everybody's happy. Let them just take whatever they want. As long as it's less than $1,000, who cares? It's not theft. Let them just go. And then you go to buy Tide. And it's locked in chains. You know what I mean? My wife was telling me, she went to Walmart, and they have hairpins in a, a, a locked. Like, dude. Dude, you, you literally want to buy the smallest little thing. You have to call the management to come and open like shackles and like windows. Like, which one did you want? Oh, this soap? Here you go. $2.99. You know, it, it really is. It's bad. You know why? Because so much of the craziness and the lawlessness and live and let live and da, 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 da. don't punish people let them learn from their own mistakes yeah yeah that's why you see what's happening around us today so the leaders are as good as the people they lead and vice versa that's that's just how it works okay the reason we're in chaos right now is not because people are no because the people that are leading are chaotic they're crazy they don't know sense. They don't know logic. They don't understand. Because it's, 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 two plus two is not four to them. You know, for them, it's like, ah, let the guy steal 50 bucks so he won't hurt anybody. Yeah, but that guy just stole 50 bucks. He's going to come back for 100 next time. And then it's going to be a mob at Bloomingdale's over $100,000. 
and Baruch Hashem, 20 of them were caught, but they were let go within five minutes. <laughs> right? It's ridiculous. It's like you're literally, it's like you're living in a, in a it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, what was that world called in Superman? No, no, no. Like, what? The upside down world or something? Anyway, Gabby, don't, whatever. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, listen to this, now bringing out this concept. It says, Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem was telling him the only zikhut that he has to be as great as he was, was because of the people that he was leading. He was leading the greatest generation of all time. Leading the ge greatest generation of all time needed the greatest person of all time. You needed to be great to lead great people. Listen, we talk about Bnei Israel and the Midbar making a lot of mistakes, right? We talk about it, right? Do you know how many times the Jews in those 40 years in the Midbar made mistakes? Eight. The entire 40 years, millions of Jews, there was eight mistakes. So we talk about it a lot, like, oh, the Jews were complainers. It was eight times. Relax. For real? Okay? We complain 8,000 times a day. Okay? We make mistakes on a daily basis. On a national level, the entire Jewish people, and mo a lot of times it wasn't all of them. <laughs> a lot of times it was a fraction of the nation that made those mistakes. So let's not get ahead of ourselves and really think that the nation that came out of Egypt was a bad, was bad, they were not bad people. The Jewish nation that received the Torah at Har Sinai, he's going to say right now who these people really were. HaKadosh Baruch Hu waited 2,000 years for this nation. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to be the best, period. And Hashem told him, the fact that you're the best, I saved your neshama because you were going to lead the best. You have to go two and two together. When Bnei Israel worshipped the Egel, what does Hashem say to Moshe Rabbeinu? Go down the mountain, your nation has sinned. Moshe Rabbeinu, my nation? I thought it was your nation. Hashem was telling him, no. These are your people. It's your kind. Wherever you are, they stand. You're their leader. Whoever you are, they are. You go together. It's a huge concept to understand. Hashem was telling him, do you think I gave you all this greatness for nothing? I gave you all this greatness for Am Israel, for them. And if they're sinning, and if they're making a mistake, it's on your account. No matter how you feel about that, all of your greatness is due to them. Without them, you wouldn't be who you are. So Hashem was telling him, <coughs> now that the Jews have sinned, why do you need greatness? <coughs> That's what he was telling him. Go down. By the way, Lechred can be read in another Lechred can be read in another way as well. Red means to go down, right? Going down a mountain or going down in level of spirituality. Hashem was hinting in a way to Moshe Rabbeinu, lech red, meaning <clears throat> your greatness is going to go down because they're going down. So be careful. It's your nation. Bring them up. 
<coughs> if you want your greatness. <coughs> this is brought down in the Yalkut al-Pasuk Ahmad Vimodid Eretz. Regarding when it says he stood and measured out the land. Madad HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kol Adorot HaKadosh Baruch Hu measured all of the generations. Velo Matzah Dor Ra'uy LeKabel Torah and did not find a generation to be deservant of receiving the Torah El Ador HaMidbar except for the generation of the Midbar, of the desert. He searched, it says HaKadosh Baruch Hu searched to see who deserves the Torah. Nobody until it got to Bnei Israel, the Dor, Dor HaMidbar, the nation of the desert. <clears throat> this is why the Pasuk says there was never another prophet like Moshe Israel. <clears throat> the Torah is telling us that no other would rise in Israel meaning Moshe's great level of prophecy was due to Am Israel Moshe's greatness was linked to Am Israel their greatness went together. Sha'af al pi. Momento, please. <clears throat> the, even though that the time of the giving of the Torah started already with Avraham Avinu, the time of the giving of the Torah started with Abraham, hundreds of years before Moshe Rabbeinu. Kedamrinan, as they say, our Chachamim tell us, The world will exist for 6,000 years. This year we're going to go into 5784. Let that sink in. Torah. And the second 2000 was meant for Torah. Meaning, the beginning of the cycle of 4,000, meaning first 2,000 years, nothing. Second 2,000 years was the generation of receiving the Torah, which started with who? Avraham Avinu. But Hashem did not give the Torah to Avraham Avinu. He didn't give it to Itzchak Avinu. He didn't give it to Yaakov Avinu. Who did he wait for? Moshe Rabbeinu. Who did he wait for? The people of Egypt. What does that tell us? They were the greatest. Ah, yes. I've said a lot of things. I don't make sense half the time. Don't take me too seriously. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. They were like the lowest of the low. Like they were, their spiritual level was very low. When they were in Egypt. Yeah. Yes. So how could they be so high to Okay, so it's a very good question. Very valid question. So the question is like this. We said before that Bnei Israel had gone down to the 39th level of, uh, 49th level of Tum'ah impurity in Egypt. So why are we saying they were the greatest? You cannot go that low unless you come from very high. Like we say today, the concept of reshaim, wicked, true wicked people don't exist today. Why? Because your neshama has to be extremely high for you to become that bad. It has to balance. So Bnei Israel, the fact that they stooped so low, it only meant how high they can go. And they proved it. And they proved it. 
They came out of Egypt and Luke and who became. We, it says that at the, at the splitting of the Yam Suf, even a Shifcha, even the lowest maidservant had Nevu'ah. You know, it, was, it wasn't a, there were not normal people. There were people that in 210 years of bondage kept their language, kept their Brit Milas, their clothing. Imagine living with Egyptians for 210 years. You know, imagine being in the United States for two years and not changing your clothes to match Americans. They lived there for 210 years when the Egyptians were wearing short, short skirts and I don't know what they wore at shirts. I think they just had necklaces, right? Um, the Jews were still wearing, you know, long garbs. The old school Jewish desert clothing, you know, with turbans. That's what Am Yisrael was still wearing. They never changed their clothing. That says a lot. That's, that's powerful. Yes, Brandonovich. Um, so my understanding before Sinai was that God tried to give the Torah to other nations, but they all refused. Yo. Is that, is that right? If yes, God did try to give the Torah to other nations, but they all refused. So if they all refused, would that mean that like, if, they had, if one of them had accepted it, they were just as worthy as the nation of... Uh, um, um, no. Not necessarily. We're not necessarily saying they would be, have just been... It's brought down in the Midrash that God did this to show them that I knew you're not going to accept it. No, but what about the <coughs> dropping the mountain on, over our heads mm-hmm. if we don't accept it, so we don't have a choice? There's much to be said about that. That's going to be my next question. Don't care for it, really. <laughs> I don't care for it. No, that's a... It's a very, it's a very, it's a very, by the way, I'd like to pre-ask for apology from everyone. <laughs> I'm going to need a text. <laughs> okay, so it's, there's a lot to talk about that, Hashem picking up the mountain on the Jews, we, we can't get into it right now, but you have a point. could not give the Torah before the time that he did. There was no nation deserving enough like there was in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu to receive the Torah. And when that generation that was worthy finally arrived, in the merit of that nation and that generation, Moshe Rabbeinu was born. Moshe Rabbeinu was born at that time to become the Moses that we know of only for those people, because of those people. Because of the level of Am Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu reached such glory. We've always looked at it on the other side, you know, like we had such an amazing leader. But the Zerash Mishon is also bringing on another point. He became such a great leader because he had such great people to lead. Right? <clears throat> I almost just want to wait and just kind of process that myself. When that generation died out, it only made sense that Moses would also go with them. At the end of the 40 years, when Bnei Israel was ready to go into Eretz Israel, the generation that he brought out of Egypt was no more. There were all their children and grandchildren. There were minute few that had survived that were going in from the first generation, like Yehoshua. 
But the rest, m rest of the nation, they were all children and grandchildren. It's kind of like heartbreaking to even say it, but Moshe Rabbeinu was dying with his own generation. He was going with the people that he brought out. He was leaving this world because he, that nation that he was with, that nation that brought him up was no longer. Therefore, the nation needed to be given to someone else that was more, let's say, quote-unquote, qualified for that generation. Even though Yehoshua was not at the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. Like Chachamim tell us, Moshe Rabbeinu was the sun, Yehoshua was the moon. In comparison. They were not to be even compared. But Yehoshua in his generation was the Moses. That's what the generation received. That's what the generation deserved. That's what the generation gave forth. The generation before was much stronger, much greater, so they gave forth a Moshe Rabbeinu. This generation had Yehoshua. Every generation has the leaders that it deserves. Let's put it that way. Can't complain about our rabbis, we can't complain about our leaders. It's what we deserve. Where if you're not, you're right. If you're not, if you don't complain, you're not Jewish. <laughs> Unless you're married and you're afraid. <laughs> 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 Don't ever complain about food. That's, that's one thing for show. <laughs> Ladies, you can complain about whatever you want. We're talking about the guys. Okay. That's why when the Midrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Bnei Israel that he was born on that day and he was dying on that day and right afterwards it says, Lo kam we said, what's the connection of Moshe Rabbeinu dying on his birthday and the fact that there was never a, another prophet like Moshe? The Midrash is trying to tell us, Moshe Rabbeinu, this greatest of great, did not pass away before his time. That's number one. He died on his birth date and his cycle of life had been completed. That was the day he was meant to die. Why did he die on that day? Because his greatness was due to his nation. His nation had died out, and it was time for him to also go to give it over to somebody else. You know, at, at the table, my kids, my son brought the famous Midrash uh, on the Shabbat table. It's a beautiful Midrash. The Midrash says, Moshe Rabbeinu, Brandon, why are you standing? I'm so sorry to hear that. So sorry. Windex. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, pray to Hakadosh Baruch Hu for a chance to go into Israel. And Hashem, we know, he just said no. And Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to know why. And Hashem says, "Listen, it's time to give the mantle over to the next leader. Yehoshua is going to be the next leader. You can't have two leaders. I can't have you and Yehoshua leading Bnei Israel. You can't have two kings with one crown." Moshe Rabbeinu says, "What?" He says, Hashem, I'll make you a deal. I won't be a leader. I will listen to Yehoshua as he's my Rebbe. I'll do whatever he says. I'll give the throne to him. It's him. I just want to be let into Eretz Israel. That's it. I want to come in and I want to do the mitzvot. Teluyot ba'aretz, the mitzvot that are connected to the land of Israel. I won't say two words. I don't need to. I don't care. I just want to come. He'll be the leader. I'll listen to whatever he says. Hashem says, fine. You want it that way? Fine. The next morning it says Moshe Rabbeinu goes to Yehoshua's tent in the morning. Which is peculiar. 
Every day, Yehoshua would go to Moshe Rabbeinu's tent to accompany him to receive prophecy from Hashem. Yehoshua comes and sees, well, Moshe Rabbeinu's picking him up. Well, what's going on? Rebbe, says, ah, today you're going to be the leader. I'm giving it over to you. Now I accompany you to the tent of meeting, Ohel Moed. They go to the Ohel Moed, cloud of glory comes from on top of Moshe Rabbeinu and it transfers over to Yehoshua bin Nun. Yehoshua becoming the new leader. Yehoshua goes into the tent of meeting and he has prophecy from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem talks to him. He comes out of the tent of meeting and Moshe Rabbeinu says, yeah, so what did Hashem say? And listen to the words that Hashem puts in Yehoshua's mouth. Yehoshua says, with all due respect, Rebbe, when you were the leader, I never asked you what Hashem said. I waited to receive what you tell me. No, 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 listen. Moshe Rabbeinu turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he says, he'd rather have a thousand deaths than to experience the tiniest amount of jealousy. That's when Moshe Rabbeinu says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you were right. It's time. Right? People ask, how could Yehoshua? Yehoshua didn't say anything. It was HaKadosh Baruch Hu telling Moshe Rabbeinu, you wanted to see how it feels like? You're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. And it just goes to show how far jealousy can go. Even Moshe Rabbeinu was at risk. He didn't want to feel it. It's like he almost felt it for the first time. And he's like, I don't want to feel, I don't want this feeling. I don't want to be jealous of anybody. So he felt it for like a split second. And he's like, he doesn't, he'd rather die than have that feeling. He doesn't want. That was it. So here, Moshe Rabbeinu. Met bishvil in order that Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, that, sorry, in order that we don't say that Moshe Rabbeinu died because he cursed himself, but it was really only because he needed to be with his own generation, because he took his greatness from them. That's why the Midrash, the second pasuk that the Midrash says, right after it says Moshe Rabbeinu died on his birthday, he told the Nisar that he's dying on his birthday, he says that there was never a a, a prophet like Moshe Rabbeinu to teach us that Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest prophet only due to the people that he led. And I'll just say this outside. And we see that we said Eldadu Medad, which were two young prophets, that we said after Moshe Rabbeinu cursed himself, it says that the elders gathered, the 70 elders gathered, we said. And two of those, the youngest ones, Eldad and Medad, all of a sudden prophesied. And their prophecy was that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to die. Right after Moshe Rabbeinu cursed himself. And that was the question that we had. So then, what does it mean? That means the curse that Moshe Rabbeinu gave himself worked. Because right after that, they prophesied that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to die. And we answered that that's not true. That had nothing to do with the curse. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu was saying that today he's 20, 120 years old. It's his birthday. The curse had nothing to do with him dying. We answered that. But the question is, why does the Torah tell us about Eldadu Medad's prophecy? It's so out of place. It says the, ga- the 70 elders gathered and then Eldadu Medad prophesied that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to die. It, I've never seen this shot. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. He says Eldadu Medad didn't even prophesy. Their, their prophecy was not about Moshe Rabbeinu dying. It wasn't. That's not what they prophesied. We don't know what they prophesied. But here's the problem. 
they had prophecy when the greatest prophet among them was with them, Moshe Rabbeinu. And that doesn't happen. Moshe Rabbeinu was still there. If there's any prophecy, Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to get it. Why are they getting it? So they deduced, they said, you know why we just prophesied? Because the leader is about to go. Because Moshe Rabbeinu is about to go and he's going to die in the desert. That's why the next people are prophesying now. The next prophets are coming along because he's no longer going to be the prophet. That's why we're having prophecy. What, pro what point does that prove? That proves the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying that he's going with his generation. He's going to die with his generation. Had nothing to do with the curse. His generation had died out. He's about to die out. Why? How do we see that he was about to die with his generation? Because the next generation, the young two guys in the Zikanim and the elders, all of a sudden prophesied. And from that they saw, you know why the young people are prophesying? Because the next generation is about to take over. Moshe Rabbeinu is about to go with his generation. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.